Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Ah. Ah. Ladies and gents, welcome to 50cc. Welcome back to the Consequences podcast with Paul McNulty and Sean McCreevy. Here we are in a special podcast of the Consequences podcast, and this is Panny filling in for Sean and Paul as the host today. And we did think it was important to talk to Sean and Paul about this recent 50cc concert that you guys uh, just did in Sockport at the end of uh, June. It's good to see you both and good to be talking to you. And uh, thank you for letting me host a little bit of an interview. Let's talk about how this thing came together. I mean, it's pretty fascinating. I've just had a chance to watch the video and wow. <laughs> Thanks ever so much. Pat- Patty, it's lovely. it's lovely to see you. We don't chat as often as we should, do we? No, and that's okay. Yeah, but we, uh, we're in constant contact via email, which is wonderful. And your comments and, and feedback about the gig have been amazing. I have to say that, I mean, it's two months on, isn't it now, Paul, since uh, we got up on stage at the Garrick Theatre for those two nights. Mm. And it sort of feels like an out-of-body experience now. I can't quite believe that we did what we did, or rather that we dared do what we did. But we've just literally, a few days ago, I unleashed uh, the video on you chaps, and suddenly all the reality came flooding back, Paul, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I mean, it went about as well as it possibly could have done, really. We knew we'd have a fun night, but everything came together really at the last minute because there was all sort of outside pressures in that there was a a train strike for a start, which did affect ticket sales a little bit. There was still the lingering issue of COVID. In fact, Owen had COVID only a two or three weeks before the gig and couldn't make one of the final rehearsals. So that was constantly lingering. And if any one of those moving parts had kind of broken, if you like, or had been temporarily stopped, then it it would have put the whole thing in jeopardy. But fortunately, having stuck our collective necks out, we were rewarded with a really successful evening. And part of that was down to the audience, who were absolutely phenomenal. You know, they were so friendly and and lovely. And that that really, you know, it made us more confident as we did it. No, absolutely. It was like, Panny, it was like being in a room with 150 kindred spirits. You'd literally pick up an instrument, you know, let's say it's a gizmo, or you'd pick up a prop like uh, a megaphone, a bullhorn, or a a ballpoint pen, as as, uh, (laughs) people like me who've misheard lyrics for for their entire life would say. Or Owen, a wonderful young guitarist, gizmo player, keyboard player, and sort of uh, mini lol. Him him donning a blue feather boa was enough to get loads and loads of people in the audience chuckling and sort of kind of cooing with with delight. They kind of knew what we'd be doing next. And uh, one of the highlights for all of us, um, Paul's wife, Claire, my mum and her friends, all came back with the same story, which was that sitting around them in the audience were lots of blokes, generally, who were <laughs> laughing and chuckling and cheering and going, yes, when they could see that we were about to play another geeky tune. And honestly, that atmosphere in the room, Panny, was was palpable because we, I, I, we knew we were among friends. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that's your camera. Uh-huh. Or should I say, oh, hi, hi, ho. 
Yeah, and it does come across. I mean, I'm hoping those who haven't seen the video yet will take the time to link up to it and stream it and watch it because it is uh, definitely one for the 10cc godly cream connoisseurs. <laughs> and uh, I have to admit, when I was watching it too, I kept saying to myself, wow, I really can't believe that they're actually pulling this off. I mean, to hear some things live, I was completely taken aback by the consequences section. The one that comes to mind, obviously, it starts with the seascape and goes into the fireworks and then the stampede stuff. And then later going into the flood and make. And and, and I do want to ask you a bit about, you know, some of the sounds. Did Please you actually do. lift some of the sounds from the actual recordings because some things might have been just too difficult to recreate? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We basically we didn't touch stampede at all we we basically ran vt for that one i'd spent some time putting together some visuals for about 20 minutes worth of side one of, yeah. of consequences where right. you've got sort of very slow moving shots of the sea for seascape we come in with a live band for the sort of climax of seascape so you hear the godly and cream track fading out and us fading in basically and then paul brings in wind with his is count and then that that iconic snare and then you've got two drum kits kind of playing along with wind And then we right. go into another bit of kind of half godly and cream in the background. We've used the audio right. from the record. But then Eric and Owen are playing Gizmo samples and Gizmo live over that. So we're dipping in and out of the recorded tracks from Godly and Cream. And then right. we're trying to blend them with our own performance. So it's either completely live or it's completely Godly and Cream or it's right. like Godly and Cream karaoke. It's, it's just yeah, a mixture. And frankly, that was all that we could humanly have time for, Panny. Yeah. With, with the best will in the world, you can't do Stampede live. You well, ju- we, you could, just we could have if we'd had many more months. I yeah. mean, as, as time yeah. went by, we realised, well, we can do Wind and we can do The Flood, but Stampede, and I know you were disappointed, Sean, not to be able to actually do that live. If we'd had more time, we could have done it. But just a word about, you know, the, the practicalities of the six of us, the six of us in the band getting together. We're from all points of the compass. And obviously Eric was in America until a couple of days before the gig. <laughs> yes. So we physically could not spend as much time as we needed to do stuff like Stampede. But luckily, we always knew that Consequences section would be a hybrid. We accepted yeah. that, and hopefully the audience would see uh, the piece as a whole and, and accept as one yeah. it was. It was a celebration of Consequences as opposed yeah. to right. a full performance of it. With the limitations, I think you guys pulled it off spectacularly. You have one scene with this ship going over the wave and the music behind it. The uh, audio and the visual together for me was so intense. It, it visualized some of the music and you did it. Even the section with the fire, 
Yes. Using some of the clips that you use, Sean, just feeling the intensity of the music, which, I mean, we're big fans of the music and we know the mm. music really well because we've been listening to it for so many years. To capture the essence of it, which you guys do, when you get done with that 30 minutes and you come on and you say... That was a weird 30 minutes, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were in a half hour. I have to admit, my senses were overwhelmed. I was emotionally drained, if I can say it that way. Mm. Let's talk about Eric Baumgard, or your piano player. Yes. I know he's from Atlanta, Georgia. I know he's done a couple podcasts. Uh, tell me about getting him involved and how you know you managed to pull him in from America, get him over to you know Stockport to the UK. The time for rehearsals, all that. Did you guys actually rehearse via Zoom or, you know, doing some things over the computer? We sent tapes to each other, basically, uh, electronically. I'd, uh, I kept coming up with these silly ideas and I'd, I'd just be, keep posting them to the chaps. And I very much wanted to do Burial Scene live with that wonderful piano intro after the coffin is submerged in the ground. I desperately wanted to get some gizmo on it. Eric, bless his soul, was really, really keen to do this. And then I came up with an idea of kind of segueing burial scene with a beautiful section from Blint's tune from Side Six. Right, I noticed that, right. Um, So it it kind of glides into it because there's this incredible, it's, it's sort of like a concerto, a piano concerto with gizmo. And it's one of the most beautiful things, I think, in the whole 10cc canon. And I was desperate to do it live. back with a ready-made piano track of these two pieces sandwiched together. Paul, we couldn't believe our luck that we'd landed on someone with such easy genius, could we? No, I mean, just going back a step, Sean has this phrase, which I don't think is yours, is it? It comes from a film, doesn't it? Field of Dreams, I think you're thinking of. Yes, build it and they will come, Yes, is the phrase. Sean's been proved right time and time again, you know, okay, we're going to do this concert. So we had this idea... 15 months prior. And in fact, the theatre had to be booked over a year prior to the gig. Really? Yeah. And shortly after, well, I can't remember the exact timeline, but around that time, Eric contacted us initially as a fan of the podcast. And then, you know, he was clearly a genius musician and he joined us, as you know, for a couple of podcasts. And he said, hey, listen, uh, if you're doing this concert, I'll I'll come over. And we couldn't believe (laughs) that he said yes. I mean, I should say... He didn't just do our two gigs. He and his wife, Aretta, came over. And the week after our gig, he did another show in Canterbury, a kind of tribute to those Canterbury bands like Matching Mole, Caravan, Soft Machine. Hatfield in the North. Thank you. That that was the title was, I can't remember the title, but it had Hatfield in the the North in the title. Uh, With another great cohort of musicians, Somewhere we'll put a link to that show, which is which is on on YouTube. Yeah. So he, they were two projects that he was emotionally very invested in. But we were very very fortunate to have him offer to come. Honestly, Panny, having him play piano, it gave me personally so much confidence to have a musician of that caliber 
holding the architecture, if you like, in place. Mm. The foundation of every yeah. song that he was involved in became that much stronger and yet flowing and beautiful just because he was playing his keys. And me as a singer, it also just gave me so much confidence to sing out because, I, well, one thing, I didn't have to concentrate on playing the bloody piano all the time, which <laughs> is obviously much more of a stretch for me. But just to be able to relax, and Eric, Eric's got this, and no, the sound, I, I totally agree. you know, it was it was a, such a kind of um, a virtuous circle, if you like, uh, of feedback. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was yeah. like it just just adding that extra member into the mix. I mean, we'd right. we'd got together for uh, probably half a dozen rehearsals, Paul, wouldn't you right. say? Yeah. Half of them just as a four piece, the two Pauls, Paul Roberts on lead guitar my neighbour virtually and, and my work colleague Matt on drums and I, four of us got together for three or four rehearsals and it was going okay. It sounded solid and competent. We brought along Owen. That lifted us immensely. We'll go on to talk about Owen because his, his contribution yeah. has been immense. It's amazing how Owen and Eric joining kind of increased it exponentially Paul didn't it it, it, oh, like yes, it, it took it it was way 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 beyond the, the sum of its parts mm -hmm. it, it comes across watching the video and you know the performance it does come across that you guys are confident you guys are relaxed there never seems to be any point where you're looking at each other as if to say gee what do we do next or you know what's the next <laughs> you know what's the next part of the song I mean no, but that, that, that's because I I, yeah. I I chucked all the really shit takes in in the bin, <laughs> Panny. You, you don't get to see those bits. Oh come on, come on! <laughs> no, no, that's that's why that's why we did two nights. That's why yeah. we did two nights. Yeah, so there, we, there were there were plenty of those moments. There were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course there are, and of course there are things that happen that you guys only know about, or a missed note, or you know, <laughs> hitting the wrong you know key, or you know, strumming the wrong chord, or something. Yeah. Oh. That's uh, you know we were doing the train noises. <laughs> there are no trains. That's probably what happened. Yeah. Is there. that is that on the second disc of consequences that bit? <laughs> now don't be cheeky. <laughs> we can be easily offended. Should we try again? It was going quite well actually. It was going yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. You have no uh, idea. It, it, you have no it idea. never really comes across. And let's talk a little bit about uh, you know the guitar player Paul yeah. Roberts. Uh, I thought that Paul Roberts. Wow, he's a another phenomenal player that really was in tune to the lead guitar part. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Paul, you ahead, should Paul. You, you should really yeah. talk about Paul because um, yeah. you, you brought yeah. him into the band. Thank goodness. Yeah, I did. We did a show, I guess you've seen it, Panny, for the 50th anniversary of Abbey Road in 2019. Yeah, I have seen it, yeah. We were looking for uh, a lead guitarist, and Paul was the only person who applied for the job. But luckily, he was a, he was a good one. These things have precedence. You know, the only person who applied for Chris Difford's advertisement in the sweet shop was Glenn Tilbrook. So sometimes it's good if just one guy applies, because you normally get a really good one. Paul uh, was was part of the band, as was Matt and, of course, Sean for that project. And I also play in a T-Rex tribute band with Paul. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've seen a lot of each other musically over, over the past few years. He jumped at the chance of coming on board and did a hell of a lot of work because yeah. unlike myself and Sean and Owen and Eric, Paul and Matt didn't know the material anywhere near as well. And they, they had to do considerably more work, I'd say. Yeah, but it does seem like the passion was there. I mean, oh, yeah. 
watching these guys play this music and as you say maybe they weren't as familiar with it as you two who have been into it for countless years but it, it always came across it always comes across in the performance of people that are seasoned with the music and they have it in their blood and their soul and i i was overwhelmed with it but sean you say the drummer matt buckley the drummer he's an old friend i i, I think you've mentioned him in the past and have played with him in the past as well yeah i mean not not yeah. even an, an old friend i first met him at an audition uh, that uh, a chum of mine robbie sax player a former mm -hmm. teaching colleague of mine he invited me to come and sort of audition a singer and keyboard player with a soul band called right. soul manifesto and I hastily joined the band, very much fish out of water with being keyboard player. And that kind of lasted a little while, but luckily I'm not the keyboard player anymore. But th there was this wonderful drummer with a really great lead vocal voice, gritty and warm with perfect pitching. And uh, he turned out to be the world's nicest guy. And we've become incredibly good chums. We've done lots of gigs now with the Soul Band. We were playing last night, which is why I, I sound really husky like a lager <laughs> advert. We just love being in a band together. We're extremely good friends. I'm delighted to say that he's now joined the Surf's Up Beach Boys tribute band. Oh, um, Very much in, in the shadow of the wonderful Rob Dean. I know that Rob has passed away and glad to see that he did contribute to the I'm Not In Love uh, vocals as well. Absolutely. But, uh, you have a couple other gentlemen that play at the end. I think you introduce, is it Phil? Phil Lukes, I believe? Yeah, yeah, Phil, yeah. Phil Lukes yeah. On, on, on Gizmo, smiling yeah, from ear to ear. Well. Phil is, yeah. um, much, much as Matt is a near neighbour of Sean, Phil is a very near neighbour of, of me. Uh, I mean, he's a 10cc fan of some vintage. He saw the original lineup when he was 11, I think, the first wow. time on the, on the Sheet Music Tour. He's yeah. seen them. He saw the original lineup half a dozen times. He met his, his best mate, uh, you know, uh, some, I can't remember the exact story, but in the playground, he went up to this yeah. guy and, and the other, because Phil's a big guy, and the other guy who eventually became his best friend, this is a guy called Neil, thought Phil was going to beat him up or something. But in fact, he, <laughs> he, he just heard, he just heard that this other guy was a 10cc fan. So, yeah. so he, that's, how they, that's how the two of them met. Phil is also in the T-Rex tribute band that, uh, that I'm in along with Paul. Right, so he was... Right a kind of natural fit. And, you know, he, he bought a gizmo uh, like the month before and he was waiting for it. He was looking at the shipping order, thinking, <laughs> is this thing going to make it for the gig? And it, it, it arrived, I don't know, just a few days before the show. And he kind of jumped in and joined us on some of those sections. And just having three gizmos instead of two in just yeah. a few places, it, again, this word exponentially he doesn't play that much gizmo but when he does the texture is thickened yeah, and, it's and fantastic and, and he uses a, a wonderful effect a kind of an octave thing that gives his gizmo parts an extra octave below so you, you can really really hear it strongly on not not just the consequences stuff but also on englishman in new york paul oh. mm. uh, yeah, oh. yeah 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 underneath yeah. everything else you can only really hear it on headphones or in on big speakers but it's absolutely right. wonderful and and it was it was just joyous to have Phil on stage with us. He's a lovely chap. 
have to say that the the founder of uh, of Gizmotron in, in the states, a guy called Aaron, who's been in contact and is absolutely thrilled by what we're doing, was oh, gob was gobsmacked that we were going to yeah. have not two but three Gizmos live on stage. <laughs> Definitely a world first. I sent him a copy of the video, and he was just over the moon, absolutely over the moon. Well, let's go back for a second, Sean or Paul. You mentioned that the seeds of getting this concert together go back about 15, 18 months, you said. They tell me probably, about, yeah, tell I think me they about, do. Yeah, yeah, how, how that got started, who started that fire burning to, you know, <laughs> hey, we should do a concert. And I mean, if you guys can just summarize it, I know it's a lot of time and that's oh, been yeah. you know, yeah, a long, sure. long time we always do. We always do shit like this, Paul. So it was yeah. kind of almost a no-brainer, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was actually Sean's idea. But it really, as soon as we started doing the podcast, we kind of knew. We didn't even have to say anything. We knew that for the 50th anniversary, we were probably going to try something. Timing was very fortuitous, uh, if you can use COVID in that context, because, you know, a a year earlier or even a few months earlier, we, we wouldn't have been able to do it. But we were just coming out of it and it looked like it would happen. So, you know, in yes, in early 2021, I started ringing around theatres. And of course, it, it had to be in Stockport. And it turned out to be a tangible benefit. The Garrick Theatre is a wonderful venue, this 150-seat theatre that we that we did yeah. begin at. But doing it in Stockport was great because there was a lot of people in the audience who were local and actually had a connection with the studios, not just the, the better-known ones, and we might right. talk about some of them in a minute. I mean, I happen to work in Macclesfield, and to get to it, I have to go through Stockport. And so for many months of the year, particularly when my car is off the road, which it is quite a lot, <laughs> I would get the, the bus and train through Stockport. And so on those trips, I'd often go through Stockport. I got talking to lots of people. And the fact that, that we were doing it in the in the crucible of 10cc paid yeah. ben- benefits. Like for, for a little story, just a couple of days before the gig, I decided I needed some stage clothes. And I saw this wonderful picture of the early 10cc in 72, standing just outside of the studios and Eric in this long coat. And I thought, I've got to get one of those. <laughs> you know, completely ridiculous. I went into a vintage shop in Stockport. Sure enough, they had one. Wow. But And the guy who sold it to me, I, you know, I got chatting to him saying we're doing this 10cc thing. He said, oh, 10cc. Yeah, I, you know, they used to come in, not to this shop, they used to come into my other shop. And one time I was in yeah. a music shop and I turned around and Eric and Graham were on one side and Lowell and Kevin were on the other side. And we were all looking at this guitar, Les Paul or something, in, in a music shop window. So all the all the kind of little stories like that. Yeah. Um, it oh, just it's fantastic. It felt great just being in, in the place, literally just a couple of minutes walk down the road from where it all happened. And that really fed into the, the atmosphere of the show. Yeah. It felt like the planets lining up, didn't it, Paul, in many ways? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it was the right place to do it. And it sounds like people of Stockport or, you know, those that you encountered cross paths with and mentioned, you know, we're doing this 10CC show. We're well aware of 10CC and the history of the band in Stockport and all that as well. I mean, that's fair to say, I would think. Definitely. But we had we had an awful lot of people from out of town as well. We had people from the Netherlands, from Belgium, I think, um, certainly from Scandinavian countries who'd, who'd come over for it and to travel across the country and like paul said before logistically it was difficult on the saturday night there were no trains so people had to make it there by hook or by crook or just had to abandon their plans and and not come which was a shame 
But we also had some really fabulous guests, Panny. That was a very, very special thing to know that you were in a room with people who were there. Paul is probably better qualified uh, to talk about this, but for me to have, for example, the family of John McConnell, professor at the, um, the, yes. the University of Manchester, who helped yeah, Kevin Alol yeah, develop the yeah. gizmo, to have his family there during pieces wow. where we, we had three gizmos on the go was, was an absolute yeah. joy. I, I guess one of the highlights of the gig for me was the fact that Peter Tattersall, the strawberry yeah, founder with, with Eric, was there to see his, his face beaming away when, he's, when we force him to stand oh. up and take a bow. It's it just amazing. Yeah. It, it was heartwarming yeah. to see this. I don't know whether you've noticed this, Sean, but I, I've watched the video a few times. <laughs> disclaimer. Not as, as many did. times yeah. as I did. Well, well yeah. you, you have an excuse. I, I edited you, the you fucking thing. Yeah. 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 But if you look closely, and I'm sure Peter Wadsworth won't mind me saying this, the bit where Peter Tattertall stands up, if you look closely, Peter Wadsworth is in the, the edge of the frame, and I'm sure he's wiping his eyes. Because his yeah. great Peter Tattersall and Peter Wadsworth are great friends. Yes. And to see that lovely ovation with all the people applauding Peter Tattersall in the room was was a really special moment. Because the guy, we owe him a lot. We, we, really we owe him yeah. everything. It was great to see Peter there in the <laughs> audience. And you guys also had Paul Burgess. How did you guys manage to get Paul there? That, that was fantastic. <laughs> it really him. was I, an absolute thrill. Yeah. Great to meet him. Yeah. Was that the first uh, time you guys had met him face to face? Yes, or face to chin, because he's absolutely enormous. He uh, he's, yeah. about, he's about six foot six, a big fella. Um, oh. Again, you see, he lives in Stockport, which <laughs> which was handy <laughs> because he didn't have far to travel. He's a lovely guy. To be graced with his presence was a real feather in our cap that he happily came along and. Oh, and absolutely, right, right. and, and we, we'd had we'd had a chat with him on the pod a few months mm. ago, and, and we mentioned the fifty cc right. gig to him, and he he seemed genuinely interested, and mm. he said he, he might be playing up in the the Orkneys or somewhere, Paul, I think it was, I and uh, and that, yeah, with, that... with John Verity, guy from Argent, I believe. I hope I've got his name right. But the gig was cancelled, so luckily he happened to be around at yeah. the weekend, which was and fantastic. there he was, yeah. and we and we met him and and his wife. I think Paul really enjoyed it. Matt, our drummer, was thrilled because Paul, who's a man of few words, he came up to Matt after the gig and he said, uh, you held it, he said. Oh, is that what he said? You held it. And he came up to me and his words, his feedback on the gig was strong vocally. He said, "Oh, <laughs> good to hear." Yeah. One, one other thing. One other yeah. thing I heard. I'm sure he won't mind us. I heard this secondhand from somebody because there was just the odd bit where I played double drums. And there's um, on "Silly Love." There's yes. a kind of an over. Even on the studio version, I believe there's an overdubbed yeah. drum part. And I was playing that, and I'd I'd heard from somebody that Paul said, "That's not how the drums go on Silly Love." <laughs> 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 So we've so we've got we've got a little yeah. bit more work to do, but yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, but there was at least five minutes rehearsal time on on that, wasn't there, Paul? Yeah, that that was a kind of last minute addition. Yeah, yeah, yeah but that's yeah. always that's always good. It's the kind of weekend <laughs> too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's talk a bit more about Owen Johnston, Sean. Oh um, God. I know we've mentioned him a little bit. It's amazing we... how we, we cross paths, Panny. Honestly, it's ridiculous. Tell us about that. Yeah, I've, I've become a bit of a Twitter addict. It's my main source of, of news consumption. And I've made friends with a few sort of 10cc chums on there. 
quite good. Uh, music Twitter is actually really, really, really good and a very loving and warm community, unlike the kind of usual Twitter crowd. And I saw this guy called McThrillington, who posted a photo of him, himself with a gizmo <laughs> and a lovely one of those kind of really multicolored gizmos. Yeah, I noticed uh, that he had yeah, that on his yeah. guitar. A yeah. bit retro looking, very <laughs> similar to a model they've got in the Stockport Museum. And he says, very open-heartedly, anybody fancy forming a 10cc tribute band? So, of course, I bit his hand off and got in touch with him straight away and said, well, you'll never guess, we're doing this 50cc gig. And within about five minutes, Owen had sent us some demos because I'd come clean with him straight away and I said, Owen, we desperately need a second guitarist, a, a kind of a lol cream to Paul Roberts's Eric Stewart. And uh, Owen said, well, he said, I'm not really a guitarist. I'm more of a keyboard player. He's, he's what? Got ex- did he say that? He did, yeah, yeah. Um, he's got extensive experience <laughs> playing in, in live bands. There's a Paul Weller tribute band and there's a kind of a, a sort of a, I don't know, a kind of a lad rock kind of tribute R- band. that he Rip-pop. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so he's, he's got a lot of gigging experience, despite the, the fact that he's so young. And literally minutes after I said, we need someone to do those parts, and I, I said why don't you just do a, a quick demo of the the second guitar part on Good Morning Judge? And he sent through this video, and there was just something really electric in the way he was playing it. He banged it together with no rehearsal, but it was, it, it was clear that the guy had an r- absolutely phenomenal ear. And I need to say here, Paddy, I've, I've met very, very few people who've got that accurate an ear for sounds, for a style of playing. When you listen to to our gig and you, and you listen to the variety of sounds that, that Owen applies to the gizmo, the sounds he's programmed into his, his Nord keyboard, or the, the sounds that he's getting out of his pedal board, little distorted effects in Good Morning Judge, for example, where the guitars kind of go, wow, it's there and it tastes like 10cc. And, yeah. and literally on impact, Owen tasted like 10cc and then when he came back down to his first rehearsal with us which was only a few months before the gig it lifted our whole performance into the stratosphere because suddenly it felt like we had lol cream in the room Keyboards too. What about his keyboard work on Englishman yeah. in New York? It's just yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. And right across the board, Owen was p- possibly the revelation of the whole thing. Well, where is he from? Just out of curiosity. In Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah, so, so he's got he's got a hell of a drive down here. And honestly, the thrill, Panny, after the first night, particularly when my gizmo just packed up because my power supply that I'd taken along it wasn't gizmo's fault. It was it's my own phone charger that I was using just died so I had the horrible frustration on the first night of not being able to play a gizmo which was such a crushing disappointment but on the second night yeah on the second night we had the gods with us mostly didn't we Paul we did we did and uh, honestly Panny being on the stage and suddenly those gizmos are singing together (laughs) fucking hell you know yeah and and I want to address that too Um, Owen I mean, how 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 old is Owen? Tell oh, me he's about, about him. twelve. 
He's, he's 24. He's 24. He looks so young, and yet he's so comfortable playing the gizmo and so comfortable. And I mm. can see his fingers and just see confidence. Of, yeah, and he's swapping sounds every yeah. th- every three seconds. He's programmed his pedal board, Panny, so that he's nailed every sound in yeah. turn, and he's just flicking through. It, it does come across in the performance uh, that he's right on it. You know, the, <laughs> yes. you know I mean, and, and I say that because, again, I said it earlier, I never felt that any of the performances, th- there was never that period where you guys are kind of looking at each other going, what do we do next, or is this working, or... The, the confidence is there and it comes across on the performance right. and the embellishments that Owen adds, you know, like you said, Paul, in Englishman in New York, those little parts mm. that he's playing. Yeah, the brassy stabs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they kind of, they come across like, wow, you know, it's really working. He, yeah. He's working like a Trojan behind the scenes as well, Penny. But he's busy sampling his gizmo into the his keyboard so that Eric can then have a whole, like two octaves of gizmo notes that he can play right. during the consequences suite. Yeah. And he's absolutely on it. So he and I were kind of partners in crime in terms of putting together beds of sound that you don't, I suppose you don't really notice yeah. in the performance. Hey, even when you guys are uh, doing the Dean and I, yeah. and also Clockwork Creep, and even, you know, One Night in Paris, the passion is there. Well, and, thank and you. Think, That's wonderful. And and, and, and and I think Owen adds to the passion that both you and Paul and the others have, you know, with the music. And I'm giving him a compliment because 24 years old, yeah. and he's that much into the music. I mean, that blows me away. It's fantastic. Yeah. No, it, re- it really yeah. is. And, and he's he's got the musical sensibilities of someone in his 60s and the record collection of someone in his 60s. Is. And yeah. and he's just got these bat ears. Yeah. Uh, honestly, he's got a sixth sense for sounds, yeah. and he's been an incredible partner in this whole thing. And he stole the show, Penny. You know, with Donna, he yeah, absolutely and, and, stole the show. And both nights, that, that was too. easily the biggest uh, audience response. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> goodness thanks very much i would i mean having met him at multiple rehearsals i knew he was a master musician i mean he's also a very accomplished producer and engineer as sean has touched on what i wasn't ready for was his assuredness on stage Mm. his confidence and his relaxed nature but very very confident on stage and comes uh, across it really comes across and my goodness that the guy has i hope a really bright future of you know decades and decades in the future as a professional musician able to reach an incredibly high standard if if he can so it's fantastic you know Let's talk a little bit about the Hayes sisters. Tell me about oh, yeah. them, how they got involved, who they are. Local musicians, in fact, they're from Stockport. I think I erroneously introduced them as coming from Cheadle, which is wrong, which is just <laughs> up the road. They actually come from Stockport. Yeah. They're singer-songwriters, really working in the folk idiom. They're folk artists, really, although they're very versatile, as shown by what they did. I mean, we, we didn't give them the songs. We said, we're doing this, this, and this. Apart from that, you can do anything you like. And they went away and really had a long look at the catalogue. They chose Waterfall, which was interesting, which wasn't a song that they previously knew. I pointed them in in the direction of a few tracks. 
They chose water for the things we do for love, which we couldn't pull off to our satisfaction at all. <laughs> so that that actually is one that we sort of did. We bottled out there. of that one. We, yeah. And Bus Stop. I mean, I think Bus Stop is the masterpiece in their set. Every morning I would see her waiting at the stop. Sometimes she shot and she would show me what she it is a kind of folk song written in this minor key, this strange music coming out of the Jewish tradition. We see with Graham and they really bring all that out, which is marvellous. And then you hear the lovely three-part harmonies and, of course, they're sisters. So you get this BG Wilson brothers. It's very uh, BG. I think that they've all got yeah. the same foot. They've got the same vibrato, haven't they? Yeah, you, you get this incredible thing that you can yeah. only get with siblings, and so yeah. really, uh, absolutely, absolutely marvelous. Yeah I, yeah, I noticed that when they were performing together, and the way they look at each other, you can see that sibling thing. And like you say, bus stop was fantastic. Yeah. Waterfall is an interesting choice because um, I know that hardcore fans know the song. Kind of a surprise to hear that in the performance. And you did say, Paul, that they had not previously known that song and they learned it and did it for the show. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's correct. Uh, Waterfall's interesting. If I can make a point based on that. I mean, I thought we obviously we had an enormous amount of music, but we had to make some compromises. And my, my one regret, actually, is that I don't think we featured Eric Stewart strongly enough. No, I agree. Um, now, some would say that Eric's career was the hits, because obviously, if you look at the kind of the statistics, if you like, if you want to break yeah. it down like that, he was or became the dominant force in terms of hit songs. So he was strongly featured there. But apart from Waterfall and Res in My Bed, which was you know, a real showcase for Matt, which was he was absolutely yeah. star on that, yeah. which was, of course, co-written by Eric and Stuart Tosh. I felt we didn't quite do Eric the service he deserved. And, and you know, it's it, easy with hindsight to look back. But that's the one thing I wish we'd featured Eric a little more strongly. No, in our absolutely. Songs. And yeah. we had... We had really wanted to do one of the sort of later 60s Mindbenders tracks, hadn't we, Paul? Uh, yeah. I remember we were sitting in your kitchen, weren't we, months ago yeah. and kind of auditioning Mindbenders tracks because we knew we had to represent Eric. Yes. And, uh, but yeah. in the end, uh, we kind of got submerged, Panny, under a bit of an avalanche of stuff to yeah. do. And uh, there were times when it just felt a bit much and, and we had to kind of scale things back. We had to take things out yeah. like today... You know, the hot legs uh, track. Yeah, yeah. We had to take yeah. out things like Fresh Air for My Mama, Somewhere in yeah. Hollywood. So it, we, we had all yeah. these we had all these Sophie's choices going on. I did notice that Somewhere in Hollywood was something you and I, Sean, had talked about how much you love the track. Yes. And it did cross my mind. I wonder why they didn't do it. Yeah. 30 but, but years again, ago, you see, I'd have, I'd have bitten, bitten its hand off, Paddy, yeah. but it would scare yeah. me to death now. It's I'm a, a bit a old. Yep, it's a yep. difficult song to sing. Even looking at the track list for the show, I mean, you guys cover a lot of ground. And I know that you had to choose some things. And again, we do this, we can't do that, we can't do this. I'm sure that there was a lot of juggling. And I'm sure that, I mean, Paul brought in the track from Graham's solo album. I we mean, made it to the top. Not just that one, but the other one. Behind you the Stole door. My Love. Behind the Door. And behind yeah, the Door, behind, yeah. Which well, really kind of caught me off guard. I didn't expect that. That's a pretty obscure Graham to not mm. that's a special song for me I, th I think it's incredibly profound the lyric of course is by Jaime Goldman Graham's father right. and I think he is a phenomenal lyricist and I think the that partnership 
hiding in plain sight, father and son writing together is simply phenomenal at its best. That song, it was a real thrill for me to sing that. one of my red lines you know no absolutely I'm sure, and I'm, I'm so glad you, you, you stuck to that red line because yeah. I, I thought that was your I thought that was your vocal of the night to be honest oh, oh, thank, thank <laughs> yeah, you sure, I, and again so Paul, me too when I saw that I was just like what the hell and I had to think about where is that song from and I had to actually look it up and <laughs> you know and I did realize it was from the Graham Goldman thing did anybody ever cover that Paul Paul and I had a bit of a tussle about that because I I wanted to do the <laughs> the Sonny Bono arrangement of it because yeah, she, she, Cher she, did, does a wonderful version. Oh, does she? Okay, yeah, because yeah, I, I wasn't familiar with anybody yeah. who, who has covered it. It was actually a B-side to another flop single. I can't remember the A-side, but yeah, she does do a hell yeah. of a job on it. Yeah, the, my other red line was we've made it to the top. Now, yeah. there was a, some good-natured ar- argument between me, me and Sean when it really came down to well, it. When, it was, like, when oh. it was really shit in rehearsals, you mean? <laughs> well, I, the, you know, there was a couple of songs that were so dear to us that we just wanted to do. Yes. We Made It to the Top, again, is a huge favourite of mine. I think it, it's a sort of great utility song. It's a kind of good-natured We Are the Champions because, obviously, it's yeah. about <laughs> yes. it's about sport. And I just yeah. wanted to bring it to a, to a wider audience. I felt it worked as a set closer because I'm not in love, a masterful song though it is. And we, we did a good job of that, obviously. But I think it's too intense for yeah. a set closer. I wanted the audience to sort of take a breath out, to kind of almost stand apart from the show. There's going to be a celebration. We can see our ships coming. Though we met some competition on the way It was tiring, it was testing It was almost never ending But we all pulled through and won the accolade Now that we've made it, we made it to the top Kind of diffused the intensity a little bit there too, which it works, and I think it, it's a bit of a surprise, you know, for those that know Animal Olympics mm-hmm. to actually hear one of the songs from that album perform yes. in this context work really well as a show closer. Absolutely, and yeah. it also allowed us to put up some nice photos of key characters that have played such yeah. an enormous part in 10cc's history so i kind of bow to paul's judgment on that one it it allowed us just to have a little bit of fun after that kind of extremely self-contained performance of i'm not in love where we're we're literally standing in a sound 
museum yes. to try and deliver a, a facsimile of the best recording that's ever been made yeah, in pop. I, I, There's no performance there. It, it's literally like we're delivering a version of a, an undeniable yeah. classic. So we needed some kind of release, didn't we, after that? I think so. I think I agree with that. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, Lost Weekend. <laughs> yes. The guest vocalists, <laughs> oh. uh, Carol Jason and Joanne Levy. Levy, 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 yeah. Yeah. Levy yeah. Let's talk a little bit about them, who, who they are and how they became involved. Paul got yeah. in contact with Carol and, and quite a story ensued, didn't it, Paul, after that? Yeah, it's, you know, doing the podcast has been such a fabulous experience. You know, we've met so many lovely and interesting people. Mm. Carol, for those who listen to the podcast, would know that she was in a, a girl band, I suppose you'd call it, in the 60s called Black, Brown and Beige, which was came under the, the custodianship management contract with Harvey Lisberg and Kennedy Street. And Carol was a, a sort of mentored by Graham, actually. When she was 16 or so, you know, she used to go around to Graham's house. They used to play music together. She used to play him songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one time, Black, Brown and Beige were in the running for a great song by Graham called Tally Man, which eventually went yeah. to Jeff Beck. And Carol had these wonderful diaries that she'd kept from that time and and we were you know that episode was one of the highlights of the whole series for me because we were able to get a real flavor of what it was like in the in the 60s so to to have that come full circle and for her to sing with her younger sister who's also a professional musician joanne carol and joanne are sisters yes Yes. oh yes yeah okay they are they are indeed they perform but they don't perform together that much so actually that was a special moment which i was very happy to sort of enable if you like or we were happy to have that come to fruition where the two of them could perform with us. It's quite an emotional moment. Again, the whole thing anchored by Eric's wonderful piano playing. And a wonderful song. I mean, let's face it. Yeah, was it your idea, Paul, to do Lost Weekend with them? Or did they actually come to you and say, you know, we'd like to do that or give that a shot? It was Paul's Uh, idea, I think. No, I think, Sean, you deserve some credit. I believe it was my idea to do Lost Weekend and we were looking for vocalists. I I knew it had to be four people. I knew it had to be a... Not a duet, but a quartet, if you like. And then some, I think it was you, Sean, that actually said, well, hang on, why don't we have Carol and Joe do it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, that was perfect. You know, full circle, somebody, in Carol's case, with a sort of deep connection with Tennessee C in the 60s. So that was great. Absolutely. And it was yeah. palpable on stage. I think I, I was never more nervous than during that yeah. song because there was, there was so much. It was very, very emotionally charged, Panny. Because effectively, we, we were portraying a couple kind of amicably going their separate way. And there was genuine sort of drama in the way we were performing it to each other, done very cheerfully, but with eye contact. And that is difficult yeah. on stage, particularly yeah. with a song that's not easy to sing. And the it harmonies does, does. are extremely, extremely yeah. hard. I don't know, there's a very, very human quality about the way the sisters perform that tune. It's joyous, I think. Oh, whatever happened 
let's talk about Under Your Thumb. Ah. The recorded version has such a techno program background. You know, I mean, I don't have to tell you. And for you to kind of take it, Sean, and do it acoustically, to do it without all the... Strip back, basically, yeah. Yeah, strip back. Again, that was another one that left me just gasping for, you know, <laughs> like, holy shit, excuse my language. But tell me how you came up with that arrangement, too. About six months ago, I woke up in the morning with a, a bee in my bonnet about under your thumb and thought there's got to be a decent arrangement for that song. I think it's a a fantastic song hidden in a a really, really badly recorded track. And it's amazing that that single scored so highly in the charts, number three or something. It's incredible. It's still a brilliant track, but I think it falls way short of what's in the song. And I basically, I put together a sort of a, like there was a drum machine, did a bit of piano, a bit of kind of electronic bass, and I put in some gizmo parts because I wanted to sort of make it spooky and a little bit more kind of godly and cre- a traditional godly and cream thing. And I sent yeah. it along to the other lads and they really went for it. With every band I'm in, Panny, I'm obsessed with medleys. So I wanted to kind of, to give people a little journey through Godly and Creamness. My vision was we'd have this spooky under your thumb. We'd go into more upbeat and weird territory, which is where Paul's fantastic performance of Englishman in New York comes in. Yeah, Englishman comes across just wonderfully. I, mean, I can see you struggling a little bit because it's a hard <laughs> lyric to sing. Crikey, there's I mean, so it's, many it's, words. <laughs> I, I can't even sing it when I listen to it and sing uh, along well, to the track. Well, that was an artistic <laughs> choice. Maybe maybe a bad one. I, I was going for the... No, no, no I was pull, going you for pulled the, it off. I yeah. was going for the lazy Sinatra phrasing, but maybe a bad choice <laughs> on such a song. But, um, uh, no, seriously, I was was amazed that that one kind of suddenly became a sing-along with everybody clapping, clapping along. Although, so thank you for that, Panny. I do want to go back and praise Sean here because his arrangement idea for Under Your Thumb was was a masterstroke. And uh, my wife, Claire, who's not the hugest 10cc fan, although goodness knows she's heard quite a lot of 10cc music in the past few years, she... That was the highlight because wow, partly, really? but yeah, partly because it, you sang it beautifully, Sean, but also yeah. the story, this amazing ghost story <laughs> was allowed to sort of come forth in the slower arrangement. And I think that was a key to the success of that song. With the considerable help of Eric Baumgartner's fingers. was standing in the station being pounded by the rain and I chose the last compartment of a stationary train I felt someone getting behind me but I never caught their ride I swear I heard a woman's voice whispering goodbye It's more emotionally charged with that arrangement than the Godly and Cream. No, version. absolutely. And, and you probably noticed that yeah. we're, we're milking the pauses as well, aren't yeah. we, Panic? We're just making people wait for 
the yeah, payoff of chorus. You, and, and you held it back, Sean, and it created the tension to really bring the song to life. And I watched that performance. I had to stop and catch my breath because, <laughs> you know, it left me a bit like, mm. I, I can't believe, you know, I mean, it changed the whole character of the song and really brought a different life to it that I had not previously experienced. You sound arrogant, and we probably are arrogant here, sort of saying, yeah, well, right. we did we did a better arrangement than Kevin and Lowell. But we don't, don't really think- mean it like that. We just, we just approach these songs as we felt we wanted to do yeah and yeah. and we we you know we we love the guys so much and we love the material so much that yeah. occasionally we just wanted to do something slightly differently yeah exactly yeah. but sometimes sometimes we deliberately second guessed what you know the, the the phrase you know what would what would jesus do yeah um <laughs> we very often kind of second guessed or triple guessed yeah what would 10cc have done with this if they'd actually yeah, sat down right. for more if, than if five minutes it, and yeah. thought about it we were trying always to kind of to kind of heap 10cc-ness on top of 10cc-ness on top of 10 cc yeah, I, I know, you know exactly what, I mean? what you mean yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. and that also brings up the choice to do survivor which again <laughs> is a pretty complex song and oh, uh, God, yeah. I, I know that since you baked the tape and created that instrumental version of it it just took it to another level it's a wonderful it. piece of music yeah really. but you know sean even to take it and, and to do that live was it just because you kind of got reintroduced to it because of baking the tape and kind of hearing it yeah on exactly because as you know I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of of 10 yeah. cc mark two and three not the biggest fan of of that album 10 out of 10 but i've become a, an absolute lover of, of survivor i think it's a wonderful song i think it's graham's best ever vocal myself honestly if i've got a regret from the gig and i've got many regrets is is not spending enough time rehearsing that one it was kind of at the end of our schedule for rehearsal right. and we only really had a a couple of good re- run throughs of that one yeah and yeah. you can kind of tell. You can tell that I'm I'm referring to my little iPad. I'm look having to check the lyrics and some sure. of the chords, and you you can tell that we're not 100% confident with it. What you see on the video is the first night performance of it. The second night's performance was interrupted by the, the sound of <laughs> Funky City coming through through the speakers because I'd yeah. forgotten to turn off the uh, computer oh. backing track. But on, on the first night. The survivor is coming off the back of me absolutely corpsing during cry. Interesting. Cry just did not happen in my brain. My gizmo hadn't worked. The guitar I was wearing had just literally crashed the ground. What else can happen to yeah. wreck my evening here? It's like all of the gods were against us. Yeah, uh, but you took a breath and you pushed forward. Yeah, and exa- exactly. And, yeah, and, and that's but then what you have to do. The band start this beautiful version of Cry, but there is n- literally nothing in my mouth, my throat or my brain to say what the lyrics, the rhythm or the, the tune of Cry are. <laughs> and, and Owen's literally whispering the tune in my ear and I'm physically incapable of reproducing it. So luckily we, we managed to do it on, on the Saturday night. The performance of Survivor you see is me having survived cry. And I, and I think you can see palpable kind of exhaustion and relief in my face. And, and I don't think my brain is there. I think I'm ready for a cigarette and a beer. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean?
Yeah. Ready, for- ready to have some fun in the second set. Yeah. Go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to mention that you talk about the gods there. You probably well, you wouldn't know this, Panny. On Saturday night, right, immediately before the opening of the show, there was a, a thunderstorm. <laughs> and there is a leak in the roof of the Garrick Theatre. <laughs> oh, this is just before doing Consequences, right? And we went on stage, and luckily it was just at the back where my drums were on the, on the sort of lower <laughs> oh, drum riser. Yes. And there, there was rain <laughs> spattering on my drum kit. And this... this this was while we were showing the intro for consequences. So yeah. that was that was really freaky. That that the suddenly, the, you know, the, yeah, the, the, the rain. The rain was saying, "Let me in." You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. know. it really was the flood it was, that was yeah. there. That I know was, yeah, that really, is really, really, yeah. Video evidence exists. You know, we didn't mention this before, but that consequences film. That promo film at the beginning, was that something that was done by the management back at 76, uh, 77? You know, yeah, they, it looks like something yeah. edited by Kevin and Lowell, and that was released into cinemas at the time. Oh, that was released, because that's kind of an interesting film, and I don't think I'd ever seen it before. Mm. Oh, some okay. pieces of it. Panny, no one's told me off for, for sticking it in the show. Yeah, no, I think I loved all the visual stuff that you that clip of the ship going over the wave and having the music yeah. behind it, just you mm. know, and even the fire scenes with the stampedes and even the horse that's shaking his head with the flies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That because yeah. we picture a farmer, don't we? Someone yeah, on a ranch, that, you know, with it with a cowboy yeah. hat on. All that stuff just worked for me so well. Did you spot Bob Harris on the video? I did. I, and I was going to ask you, that's Bob Harris. I knew it when I saw it, I knew it. And I and thought it's either Bob Harris or uh, the guy from Virgin, Richard. Uh, yeah, that's right. It is Bob yeah, Harris. Did yeah. you know why Bob Harris pops up in no. the video? Paul? No, I don't know. Is it because he was interviewing Kevin Lowell? Is it an outtake from that one? It is. And the BBC production team on Old Grey Whistle Test put together a montage of watery stuff for a full length premiere of The Flood. So the flood oh, wow. was played live during yeah. the show, and yeah. uh, the producers of the show put together a montage yeah. of watery nonsense. So we, a- we use that in the show. Yeah. a little bit about five o'clock in the morning okay Um, that to me is one of the great songs to see perform live as well I mean, it was one of the obvious choices for you guys to do tell me how you felt about doing that live a a thrill it's one of Kevin Lowell's greatest ever songs and of course like all of their solo material has never been performed live and knowing that we were going to have Eric playing the piano was such a thrill (laughs) yeah I think if I say so myself I think we nailed the vocals on that one the three-part harmony with myself Sean and and Owen so many things I come at the time I didn't even know Owen was singing that I thought it was Eric me and Sean because when you're in it there's such a lot going on and then I see the video I thought bloody hell that's Owen singing do you see me looking round at Owen for exactly that reason Paul I look round at him smiling because I hadn't realised that he was adding that third harmony oh man it's spot on that bit we do you know get up get out get out of here that little moment is 
possibly one of my favourite bits in the whole concert. It's dead on that. Yeah, no, it really is. And of course, Paul and I had, had had a crack at this, Panny, about, well, almost exactly a year ago, Paul. Yeah. Uh, when we played at the Strawberry Studios Forever gig in Stockport, and Paul and I went out. It felt very scary on this enormous stage. It was uh, scary. In this quite big theatre. And we did Five O'Clock in the Morning and Old Wild Men. And we were extremely nervous, Paul, weren't we, for that performance at the Strawberry gig? Well, I was, because, again, I had to play the bloody piano, which I like doing, but playing that opening at five o'clock in the morning on front of, on a big stage with lots of people in the audience, that was a bit nerve-wracking. So I was so happy that Eric was there and he was doing it. It was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, and Eric just inspires you with confidence. I'm glad that you had the Moog duties for that oh, one. Oh, it was you, nice and easy. Yeah, my little... It's not a mini Moog, but it's a kind of an 80s yeah. mini Moog. We, were, we tried, Panny, to to use wherever we could to be as authentic as we could and we thought we'd use the the mini moog kick drum idea that was on i'm not in love that, that course, we'd, we'd use that on five o'clock in the morning as well yeah. but an absolute joy to sing that song and i'm so glad that rob and yeah. luke the guys on camera managed to kind of capture it really nicely yeah. I think. the tooth is like a snake has slithered out the door of the bathroom Hissing in your ear. Get up, get up, get out of here. I know it's a lot to talk about, and I know you've been living with it for quite a while. But <laughs> Sean, putting out this request for people to do the voices, getting the voices, putting all those loops together, <laughs> that little clip that you've shared with everybody, yes. showing the process and seeing the extensive work that you had to do. Let's talk a bit about that whole thing and tell us about how pleased you are or how parts of it that you're disappointed with or things that didn't come off as well as you expected or better than you expected. Yeah. Take it, John. Yeah, thank you. And um, I knew what I wanted to recreate with the I'm Not In Love vocal loops. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if we had enough people contributing that we'd get the sound. So it was a case of me knowing that I just had to put in the man hours and had to get the wonderful people to contribute to get there. So it was like I knew what the human effort would be and I, I knew what the process would be, but we had to get the volunteers and it was so, so good. We had personal friends, family members, people from, from the uni days, fellow musicians, complete strangers of Twitter, Facebook, email podcast yeah. listeners and members of 10cc graham yeah. rang me up and said right sean what what notes do you want me to sing and i said well graham particularly it's g sharp and f sharp up high and he said yeah. i don't think he'll mind me mentioning this he said oh i can't get the g sharp i'll give you f sharp and he sent me this beautifully recorded thing which i looped and then i cheekily transposed it into a couple of other keys and looped it for eight minutes and ian hornell the current lead singer of 10cc sent me another couple of really beautifully sung parts but there were so many other people henry priestman from the christians sent me the, the whole 13 octave and the vocals had been recorded in studios some people had, had multi-tracked them and overdubbed them into these neat yeah. little loops some people had just recorded literally five seconds of a note on their phone 
and basically I just gathered them together in folders and then for about half an hour every day for a couple of months I just chipped away <laughs> at the coalface uh, coal I yeah. felt like Andy Dufresne from Shawshank Redemption <laughs> yeah it's a good analogy yeah good analogy. And, and, and I'm putting the poster up behind me so Sally doesn't know what I'm up to chipping yeah. away working my way into the sewers but it became clear that it was really going to work because with 40 voices singing the same note some people slightly out of tune with each other because that's human nature you get that wonderful shimmery chorus sound it was fantastic and then playing those back bouncing them down to one single track of g sharp f sharp f e and then recording physically recording them onto a a digital recorder uh, bequeathed to me by pip white's wife of chris white who you know very very well penny yeah of course was a very emotional yeah. thing. Chris's old Korg machine is perfect for, for our job because it's got a 16-track yeah. mixing desk and it yeah. allowed us to have the 15 tracks of vocals yeah. literally in front of us in this small mixing desk. And so it sounded amazing when I bounced all of these down. But I still needed to go that one extra bit of geeky uberness, which was that we needed the low harmonies at the end of the song. Uh, uh, and I knew that I had to record the G-sharp and the F-sharp onto tape, onto my Revox machine. And then I had to create a tape loop physically, glue the ends together, loop it around a flipping mic stand six feet away, yeah. exactly like 10cc had done in the studio. Pressing play on the tape machine, hoping for the best, and then pressing record on Chris's machine, the mistress and recording eight minutes worth of that tape going round and round and round, hoping that the tape wasn't going to break. And the sound was absolutely incredible. little clip that you put together there's a section towards the end of it where you kind of bring the voices up and then it starts building up and then it starts building up yeah it's just a tsunami absolutely but Penny, it's, it's yeah. about 700 voices you know yeah. our, our 40 friends coming together you can't tell any individual voice it's just this wonderful choir and then to have that on stage chris white's mistress machine is there owen is is doing the chords with the left hand if you like a very, very good friend, Rick Neal, who's one of the most yeah. talented musicians I've ever been Enough. on stage with. We brought him in especially to play the money shots, to play those yeah. big, <laughs> big notes. You basically said to him, I need you to do this. And obviously he had to learn the chords and he had to learn the levers on the mistress. Yeah. How grueling was that for him? <laughs> How many hours did he put into perfecting uh, it? He's he's too arrogant to ever say how much time he put into rehearsing. But what I imagine <laughs> is yeah. that he practiced it on the piano at home a lot. The day, sorry, two days before the first performance, he came down to our little Airbnb in Stockport where I'd set up the mistress and we had it going through some guitar amps for amplification. Yeah. And he and Owen just sat there and played with the sounds for about five minutes. I ran the track on my computer and the two of them jammed along with I'm Not In Love by 10CC. And wow. what you see on the final video of our show, 
occasionally you see a close-up of their yeah. hands on the mixing desk is I'm what we recorded at that spontaneous rehearsal in the airbnb they owned it instinctively and it was oh a, yeah wasn't it that was, was a magical moment Paul, i, wasn't I was it? there too i think i was making a cup of tea and by the, by the time i came back <laughs> it sounded perfect i mean it was one of those moments thinking oh this is going to work gangbusters because it just sounded brilliant as soon as they got their hands on it yeah so it absolutely yeah. And, and it's like all of that yeah. work all of those voices all of those those loops the tapes and the the sticky tape everything i was so 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 happy i knew yeah. it would work but i had no idea that it would work as perfectly yeah. as it did As I told you, Sean, when you sent me the clip, I was so eager to see something from the performance. And I literally sat at my desk watching that clip and just the tears were just streaming from my eyes. I'm, I'm an emotional sap. You are, you, know that, you but, are, you soppy but, old bastard. But, but just that, that you pulled it off and it was just an incredible experience to see it done in that regard and using the mistress. I couldn't believe it. And even, you know, when I watch it now, I still just go, wow. And I know you've said that it wasn't your best vocal because you guys were tired. Yeah. The emotional impact of it for anybody who knows the song and loves the song and appreciates the effort that you guys made to pull this off, boy. Well, that, that's to wonderful mind. to hear, Panny. And you know, through the podcast that Paul and I have been so, so keen about celebrating what happened in Strawberry between those wonderful individuals. And we wanted, somehow we wanted to kind of celebrate what they did through some kind of authenticity to kind of pay tribute to what they achieved and how they achieved it. Because I think I'm Not In Love genuinely yeah. is the greatest recording that's ever been yeah. made. Uh, nowadays, you don't even think twice about how easy it is to create something like this. Yeah. But then you take it into the context of 1974, you know, early 75 when they did it. This idea, like Eric says in that one video, how do we do it? You know, after <laughs> you know, Kevin suggests, yeah, let's yeah, do yeah. voices. Coming up with the idea to make it work. Yeah going backwards with the technology and kind of recreating it in the same way that they did in the past. We we had to do it that way. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's a no-brainer for me. And it just, for me, reinforces how magnificent the original song is. When you don't have the technology, you come up ways to you do just things. Play, you just uh, play a keyboard now. You just play a bloody yeah, sample. And yeah, it won't yeah. be as good, yeah. folks. Yeah. Paul, yeah. do you have anything to add to all this that we're kind of sitting here like... <laughs> <laughs> I've, well, got, I've got one other thing to share as well which you will love uh, yeah I just I'm not in love with Magnificent and I just want to yeah echo what Sean says yes it was a great idea of yours and Sean to actually show some of the workings make that in some way without yeah. it being too complicated to make that some part of the performance because the studio was always part of 10cc's performance. I mean, it, it's it's where they were born almost. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally. Not literally, that's wrong. But, you know, that's where, where the group was yeah. born. And so it was, it was nice, really nice to be able to bring that out. 
Yeah. I, I think I mentioned to Sean in an email, you got to hang a camera from above looking down at them playing the mystery. Yeah, we, we, we did, we we did but unfortunately, yeah. one of the cleaners unplugged the camera or something. And it, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, Was yeah. It there a... Bastards. Yeah, yeah, Rob and Luke spent loads of time positioning oh, this, yeah. this HD camera yeah. ab- oh, no. above the mistress. Yeah, and they got a fantastic yeah. shot of it, but it was literally, the plug was whipped out. Yeah, oh, well. Anyway, Panny, let me yeah. share this with you. Oh, yeah. Is this after he heard it? Yes. Yeah. Can it's you a, see all of it? On, it says, slightly... let me just read it. Well, can I say, my afternoon just disappeared on a mega trip down memory lane. It was absolutely amazing. I am stunned. I am also extremely flattered by the genuine affection and commitment everybody put into the production of that show. I loved it and was happy, deeply moved by wonderful memories that you brought back to me. Bloody great. Well done, <laughs> everyone. And especially to you. Two nutters for persevering with the stuff for years. Take my hats off to you both and thank you sincerely for sending this to me. I wish you the very best with a big fat hug. I can't, what does he say there? It's a big, kiss, 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 oh, X, kiss, kiss, L. kiss, 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 low cream. Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> that isn't let, that amazing. He's down in LA now, right? No, no, he's back in Leatherhead oh. now. Oh, Leather, okay, wow, in that's sorry, so great. Sorry, yeah, that's fantastic. So now that you guys have done this show, you've gotten some feedback from a couple of them so far, and uh, quite yeah, a few, and, and all the positive feedback from the audience and everything. I've never wanted Tennessee to reform, but now that they that some of them have seen that, you could pull this off to do Godly and Cream songs and Tennessee songs and some of the other things. Do you think that there would be any interest in doing a one-off or a two-off 50th reunion show where they perform songs from all parts of their uh, hmm. career? Because, you know, it spans 60 years, if not more. Mm. I'm just kind of curious. I don't really want it to happen. Yeah, it can't happen, Panny, for various yeah. reasons, primarily among them that, sadly, the sort of interpersonal relation between different members of the band, different combinations, it just won't allow it to happen. Mm. Yeah, um, that's a shame. It is a shame. It is a shame. You know, a lot of time has gone by. These guys are old, wild men now. So it's up to people like us to do the music. Again, I hope that doesn't sound pompous. We, we, no. we don't think we're 10CC. We can never be anything other than a group of musicians honouring them. But yeah. the original four, too much water has gone under the bridge. They couldn't do it. And that's just the way it is. Here, yeah. here. I think I'm just wondering when they all have a chance to see the performance, you know, which I hope they all do. Gra- Graham seen I'm Not In Love. That's as far yeah. beyond lol as we've got so far. Kevin's been yeah. sent the video, but I'm not yeah. sure if he's had a chance to sit down and look yeah. at it yet. It's definitely uh, an amazing thing. And as a C and Godly Cream fan, I think it's something that every C and Godly and Cream fan needs to view and needs to see, only just to share in the excitement of the music and share mm. in the fact that Thank you. you guys, the geeks you are, to take all these pieces and pull it all together. It's quite an effort, and congratulations for making it happen. I'm glad to uh, know you too. I'm glad that you guys pulled it off. Oh, oh, thank you, That's very sweet, yeah. mate. Thank you so much. We're fans, and it's a passion project. That's why we did it, and I'm just pleased. I'm pleased it worked out well, but we loved. Nobody could have enjoyed watching it as much as Sean and I and the other guys enjoyed putting it together. I no, think no, I speak no, for absolutely. Both. It was if two people had turned up for those gigs, I'd have enjoyed it as much. Because yeah. honestly, the joy of performing it was incredible. Um, oh, some of my favourite music in the world. 
I must under, I try, maybe undercut with the one negative review we had, which was quite amusing. I don't know whether <laughs> okay. you even saw this, Sean. I mean, I think it was fairly clearly labelled as a tribute to 10CC. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But there was some people who came along to the Friday concert, I think, <laughs> and they said, yeah, good musicians, but it was sold under false pretenses. I thought this was going to be 10CC, <laughs> and they just changed their name to 50CC. <laughs> uh, left at the interval (laughs) so just goes to show you can't please everybody no absolutely and um it's it's interesting panny one of the theater what would it be one of the theater promoters or one of the theater directors uh, had a chat with me the morning after the first show and he said he said we had three walkouts last night you're gonna have to rework your first set well, now we know why they walked out, those three. But uh, Right. Yeah. He said well, it just wasn't working. And, he, and I said, well, no, that's the show. We've, yeah. ad- we've advertised it with a proper disclaimer to say that there's a scary, weird half an hour at the start yeah. of the show. Sure. And if you're of a nervous disposition, don't come until eight o'clock you get you this is us you know this is what we do we're not going to change it and of course the second night he's showering praise uh, on us at the end of the show yeah it's weird isn't it the dynamics of performances are very very and i'm sure there is one guy that makes me laugh when you mention that you know do you guys mind if i do my favorite song before you you know you do old wild man yeah. and he's what does he scream action man in a motel that's, that's me that's, that's me. you yeah. yeah that's not andrew dalgano <laughs> shouting action man in, no he, he'd yeah. be shouting some song title from from yeah. windows in the jungle old wild man is a special song because of what it predicted in 1974 yeah. and what it what it has now become obviously yeah. it, we, we saw the same thing on the documentary when charlie thomas used it with those old and new pictures of the guys but it's got an emotional import yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean yeah. the the, giz, the gizmos on that song on the saturday they sounded phenomenal so it really sounded good that was one of yeah. the highlights there was a guy who shouted out two or three times i want to rule the world that's so, right sorry yeah. guy that we didn't do that one yeah a shout out to andrew if you're listening yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it we is love Sean's you, mate, and thank you. It was, yeah. it was so, yeah. it was so yeah. good to meet him after all this time, and and likewise with so many of the people who came along to the gigs, yeah. to put faces to names was was a real a real joy. Here, here. Okay, well, guys, thank you for taking the time <laughs> to talk about this, and for those who haven't seen the video and the of the performance. You do need to take the time to get on the the, uh, link and stream it and watch it. It'll blow you away. The link will be in the details here, but it's on my website. I'm on seanmccreevy.com. And if you just do a forward slash 50cc shop, seanmccreevy.com slash 50cc shop. And then there's a tiny bit of blurb and there's a link where you can download the the whole video as a file or it'll give you a link to the youtube link as well i'm also going to be uploading some high quality audio as well so if, if you'd rather have it as an audio file instead we'll be offering that as a, as a cheaper alternative if you've already downloaded it thanks so much all right thanks so much guys good to talk to you both uh, uh, panny you, you are an angel thank you so much mate yeah, great, great to see you, Panny. Uh, yeah, catch up again soon, hopefully. Okay. Lord, have mercy upon the man. Lord, have mercy upon the few. Lord, have mercy upon the man. Lord, have mercy on me.
you. been listening to the consequences podcast produced by paul mcnulty and sean mccreevy thanks for listening